the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about uh, something in the news in more ways than one, something um, that came about this past Friday, a fatwa was issued against terrorism by American religious groups. Um, in particular, it was the FIC Council of North America who wanted to condemn te- terrorism, and this was supported by an organization called CARE, the Council of American Islamic Relations. It's not easy being uh, a Muslim in today's climate, um, whatever you may feel about that statement. We have today uh, my guest, Ibrahim Hooper, who is the spokesperson for CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations, who will talk to us today about uh, this fatwa, about um, other things that their organization uh, has been doing, about their incitement watches, and... Um, racial profiling, etc., etc. He's a busy man these days, being called upon to do many interviews, as, of course, we all try to uh, understand what is going on and try to find a more peaceful solution. So, Mr. Hooper, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Why don't we start with the fatwa, and um, uh, if you could tell us, uh, it would be very helpful for you to tell us what actually they said and what it means. Well, it, it's not really a new position on the, the part of the American Muslim community. It's merely a restatement of our existing uh, condemnations of terrorism and religious extremism, but it's in the form of a formal religious ruling or fatwa. And that's an important point that, um, indeed, it isn't the first Time. It's the first fatwa, but it isn't the first time, as you point out, that uh, American Muslims have come out to condemn um, extreme terrorists. In fact, this happened after 9-11, but um, I must say that I was not aware of that. And, and why, why, I mean, I was not, I mean, I've read about it since, <laughs> but, but at the time, I have not really heard about this. Why is it relatively quiet, and what has it actually done? Well, it's uh, we haven't been quiet. That's the problem, and that's one of the reasons we came out with the fatwa. Uh, we issue, and I mean we, the American Muslim community and its major organizations and leaders, regularly issue condemnations of terrorism in all its forms, but people don't seem to be hearing it or people don't seem to be listening. So this was just another way uh, to get that message out, and people seem to have a hot button pressed when they hear the word fatwa. So uh, this is a fatwa against uh, terrorism and religious mm. extremism. Mm. 
Well, that was very clever. Okay. <laughs> well, when I say quiet, I didn't mean that, that the Muslim groups had been quiet. I meant that at least that in the media it had been quiet. Mm-hmm. Well, and sometimes people interpret that to mean that Muslims have been quiet, and, and that's not the case. Right. So what kind of reaction um, have you been getting to, you know, this, this um, sort of turning up the uh, amplifier and and uh, in, in issuing this religious ruling. Well, it's been a tremendous response. Uh, I've got an overwhelmingly positive response from the Muslim community, from uh, media outlets, and and people of other faiths as well. Uh huh. And could you describe um, what exactly the fatwa was? Well, it just outlined uh, Islam's uh, religious position against uh, attacks on civilians and, re- uh, and religious extremism, and it made three specific points that uh, uh, it says in the light of the teachings of the Quran and the Sunnah, which is the traditions of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, we clearly and strongly state, one, all acts of terrorism targeting civilians are haram or forbidden in Islam, it is a haram for a Muslim to cooperate with any individual or group that is involved in any act of terrorism or violence. It is the civic and religious duty of Muslims to cooperate with law enforcement authorities to protect the lives of all civilians. And we issued this fatwa following the guidance of our scripture, the Quran, and the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And if people want to see the full text, they can go to our website, www.cair. And while they're there, they might order a free Quran to read about Islam for themselves. Hmm. Okay. Um, now, in the in the proclamations um, or in the speaking out that you did after 9/11, do you think that um, you reached people who? Do you think it had an impact on on would-be terrorists? That's that's sort of the main question. I mean, yes, it probably has had an impact on uh, keeping down, or well, <laughs> I don't know if you would think keeping down, but in um, lessening more of the, the number that there would have been, perhaps. Well, uh, I, don't, I don't know that you're going to have an impact on hardcore terrorists. They're probably beyond persuasion. Uh, but you might have impact on people who are on the edge and are, are vulnerable to that kind of uh, uh, preaching. Yes, and have you gotten any kind of feedback from anywhere? Um, to show that this was... Uh, no, I mean, we haven't received a message saying I was thinking of doing something and now I'm not, but I wasn't exactly expecting that. Right. But, I mean, I don't know, even people who... Um, uh, people in Middle Eastern countries... Uh, I presume that this is not just being... Um, uh, communicated in the United States. But yeah, it was translated into Arabic and Urdu and distributed in the Muslim world as well. Urdu spoken in uh, Pakistan mainly. Uh-huh. And have you gotten any feedback from them? Have people condemned your organization for saying no, this, for example? No, I often hear the, uh, I have the question asked, well, aren't you afraid that people will condemn, you know, I haven't heard, uh, you know, hardly a negative word about the, the fatwa. Uh-huh. So have you? Do you have? Um, I, I assume you have friends or associates in these in the Muslim world who um, has have conveyed the reaction of some people. Not necessarily that someone saying I was thinking of you know 
doing bombing somewhere, and I didn't, but just some kind of reaction to this. Why are these... I think it's been overwhelmingly positive from what I can tell. Uh-huh. Well, um, I certainly hope that... Uh, that I mean, I, I think it probably... Um, I think it's very positive uh, for non-Muslims to see uh, your group banding together to um, to issue proclamations such as this, because I think that there is a lot of ignorance as far as um, people uh, lumping <laughs> all um, believers in Islam under one uh, roof and um, all Muslims under one roof. And um, I imagine that one of the things that your organization does is to try to protect um, from attacks, from racist attacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of our main uh, functions. And you were telling me before that you have a, um, a watch, an, an incitement watch. Well, we keep an eye on uh, defamatory statements about Islam in, in the, the media, letters to the editor, editorials, radio programs, and, you know, we just let people know about them and let them know what they can do to challenge this kind of hate-mongering. And, of course, I imagine that there was a... Is, do you measure this in some way, these incidents? Well, we try and, and do it, but it's just such a flood of uh, Islamophobic rhetoric nowadays, it's, it's hard to keep up with it all. I mean, yesterday we had an incitement watch about a cartoon in the Arizona Republic that showed uh, uh, Muslim children in a mosque in America being given balloons along with bombs. Mm. Uh, I mean, just... As we were speaking, one of our interns hand me a, handed me a transcript from a radio program, uh, it's, and this, this is quoting the host, and it says, and by the way, let me just add a sidebar that there's a significant, and everybody forgets this, but according to the Quran, believe, believers in Islam are not required to tell infidels, and that's us, the truth. So apparently they have, uh, have permission to lie when it's appropriate. That's absolutely false, but, you know, uh, it's being uh, promoted out there to a uh, sometimes gullible American public. So would you say that since 9-11, has there been a steady increase? Oh, yeah, it's just gone through the roof in terms of anti-Muslim rhetoric. Now it's attacks on the faith of Islam itself. It used to be sometimes couched in terms of, oh, this is, I'm not attacking Islam, I'm attacking attacking Islamic fundamentalists or Islamists or militant Muslims or something. Now they just go after the faith of Islam itself. Mm. I mean, the, we had the most recent controversy here in the D.C. area, a radio talk show host saying that Islam is a terrorist organization, repeating this over and over, and he's since been suspended uh, without pay by the station. Yes, well, you know, when... when um uh, when we come back from our break, I would like to. Uh, there was, you know, there was both the um, the situation of this DC radio host, and then there was an article also that I had read, uh, pretty much a similar kind of thing, talking about um, quoting or pur- 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 purporting to quote um, from the Quran. And um, I just wonder, you know, are these um, statements in the Quran? Is are they being misinterpreted? Um, uh, because 
I, this is what these people are using to support these kinds of statements. Well, why don't we, before we get into that, why don't we take a break now because that's going to be a whole change of topic. And um, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host. You're listening to um, the show on voiceamerica.com. And we're talking today about uh, the new fatwa that was um, issued this past Friday. We're talking with the spokesperson uh, from CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations, and his name is Ibrahim Hooper. Stay tuned. Informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Information you need, when you need it, voiceamerica.com. Do you have questions concerning your personal portfolio? And would you like to know where the market's going before it gets there? Then you need to tune in to Elite Masters of Trading, hosted by the trader's coach, Robin Dane, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Robin has great ideas on how to invest, save, and make money. So become an elite trader in the market every Wednesday at 10 a.m. with the trader's coach, Robin Dane, and Elite Masters of Trading, right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet talk radio, you're listening to voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Ibrahim Hooper. He is the spokesperson for CARE, which is the Council on American Islamic Relations. 
And before the break, we were starting to talk about uh, some of the um, incitement uh, watches, some of the things that have been found by their incitement watches, um, people being um, prejudiced or angry or however you want to, uh, or sometimes physically um, assaultive towards uh, people who are Muslims or followers of the Islamic faith. And um, one example uh, where um, someone was purporting to take passages from the Quran uh, and use that to um, claim that uh, people from people who uh, believe in Islam are promoting savagery uh, gave some examples as and slay them wherever you catch them and fight with them until there is no persecution, and religion should be only for Allah. Uh, fight and slay the pagans wherever you find them, and seize them, beleaguer them, and lie in wait for them in every stratagem of war, etc., etc. What, what do you, I mean, what is the answer to some of these passages? Well, you know, the, uh, these passages are often used by Muslim bashers, and I, I uh, uh, would just say that the, uh, they were revealed at the time that the Prophet Muhammad in the Muslim community, the early Muslim community, was in a vulnerable position and was being attacked on all sides, and it was about military battles that uh, occurred at that time. It's not meant as a universal uh, call to attack people of other faiths. That's one thing. But here, let, uh, let me read a couple passages. Quote, now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, cattle and ass. First Samuel 15.3. The peop- uh, another one, the people of Samaria must bear their guilt because they have rebelled against their God. They, must, they will fall by the sword. Their little ones will be dashed to the ground. Their pregnant women ripped open. Hosea 13.16. Now, nobody in their right mind is going to say that these verses tell Christians to go slaughter people. But somehow, uh, verses that were revealed in a particular context for a particular reason at the time, early time of the uh, Muslim community, somehow these are used to make that false claim. Hmm. Well, okay, but but I guess the problem is that since... Um, since 9/11, uh, and of course now more recently with the London bombings, um, when there are some people who seem to be acting out um, these uh, violent kinds of um, directives, they're not uh, directives. They're uh, verses that were revealed at the time for a particular reason in a particular context, and I'm saying they're not directives okay. to carry out any action in this day and time. Okay. Then I mean, if this were true, if Muslims really believed that it was their duty to kill everyone who wasn't a Muslim, why is it there are tens of millions of people of other faiths in the Muslim world and have been for since the time of the Prophet Muhammad. Why did uh, the Quran specifically uh, uh, say that uh, Christians and Jews uh, will have nothing to fear or regret? Why does it say repeatedly, uh, or the, why does the Quran repeatedly talk about people of the book, meaning Christians and Jews? Uh, you know, it's it's just ridiculous. Why can a Muslim man marry someone who a woman who's Christian or Jewish? Are you supposed to marry her in the morning and kill her in the evening? 
Okay. I mean, it, this it's just illogical okay. if you look at it in other than what dirt can I find on Islam perspective. Okay, but then what do these terrorists use? What do they use um, to support what they're doing? I mean, anybody can take things. And by the way, they don't use these verses. You know, they, I don't. I don't want know what exactly they use, but they don't use these verses. Right. Uh, and you know, it's just you know, uh, Eric Rudolph was recently sentenced to life in prison for bombing an abortion clinic. One of the, one of the ways they found him was because he had made notations in his personal Bible about bombing things. You know, uh, there are religious extremists in all faiths. The point is to work with the mainstream uh, practitioners of each faith to exclude and marginalize extremists. So I guess, you know, come to think of it, it would actually be useful to find out whether there was some um, some text or some something, some something written or something, you know, what it is that actually the terrorists claim that they're doing it for, what they uh, claim is giving them the support or the reason, you know, now I'm not saying that they may not be twisting things around, but it might be useful to direct your activities to specifically, you know, in the next fatwa or whatever, Mm -hmm. to specifically um, target some of these uh, passages or some of these um, pieces of information that they seem to be getting from somewhere Mm -hmm. and, and, um, and negate the current meaning um, of that, you know, or the fact that that isn't meant to apply to today's society or however you want to put it. Yeah, I mean, that's something that could be dealt with in a, a future fatwa, but it's, it's interesting the reaction from some right-wing circles about the fatwa. I mean, basically their position is nothing that Muslims do will ever be good enough, so, you know, what's the answer then? And uh, we we hear it over and over from from right-winning extremists. Their bottom line ultimately is, as this radio host said, well, Muslims are taught to lie anyway, so it doesn't matter what they say. They're going to be lying to you. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? That the only recourse for a Muslim is to drop dead and that will satisfy them? Mm -hmm. Yes, it must get get very frustrating. I mean, you probably also have... Some Muslims, though, that you know, um, who are against what it is that you're doing. Nobody that contacts us. I mean, aren't well? I guess maybe who don't contact you, but I mean, do they? Are there not some people who think that you're selling out in a way? Or I mean, I haven't seen it. You know, if there's this great reservoir of extremism in the Muslim world, they sure haven't been contacting me. Well, that's uh, <laughs> that's good to hear. Because I would think that they would have. Yeah, if that premise were true. Yes. Well, do you, um, I mean, I guess then the the job is uh, as as there have been more bombings and, and more concern on the world's front, I guess your job has been getting bigger in terms of trying to promote a voice of sanity uh, to all of this. Yeah, I mean, that's our function, a voice of reason and moderation. Well, and are you, um, have you been, you personally or some people from your organization, been meeting with any politicians in America? Well, we meet with them as often as we can, but, 
there's a great effort underway to marginalize the American Muslim community, and whenever they meet with Muslims, they get heat from uh, people mm-hmm. who don't like Islam or Muslims. Mm. Well, obviously that's not the solution. Yeah. Um, because the more uh, the more uh, uh, the more people are pushed to opposite extremes, the less chance there is for a peace. Um, a rational kind of peace, a talking kind of peace, and people get frustrated and then uh, act out violently. Yeah. Well, I um, I uh, oh, just well before we, we we go, we only have two more minutes for this uh, segment. Um, but I did want to ask you just quickly your opinion about profiling. Well, profiling, we believe, is one of those things that sounds like it's going to make you safer but doesn't really do it. And think about it. What They always recommend, well, you've got to profile Muslim, young Muslim men. Well, what does a young Muslim man look like? The, the alleged bombers in Britain were Indo-Pakistani and East African. So basically, you're going to have to profile every man of color in the United States. So every African-American, every Hispanic, every person who's perceived to be Middle Eastern, and then what about all the the young Muslim men who don't fit the profile? I'm not so young anymore, but I don't fit the profile. Uh, You know, I'm of European heritage. We have uh, Hispanic Muslims, uh, Asian Muslims, uh, African-American Muslims, you know, all of these people. You, you end up casting such a wide net that it becomes ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Well, and I guess plus, uh, as I read in one of the articles, you know, plus obviously um, it doesn't take uh, a brain surgeon to then figure out that if that's what you want to do, you use someone who doesn't fit the profile. Yeah. Yes, well, we have a lot of work to do. It's very unfortunate that um, that society has come to uh, take these violent turns, which uh, in addition to religion um, uh, being cited as some for for the cause of this, also uh, I speak about how media violence has done a lot to incite people of all nations uh, who have been bred on a diet of it um, to, to act out their conflicts in a violent kind of way. Well, thank you very much for joining us, and I wish you well in in, uh, all the work that you have to do. I know you've been trying to speak out as much as possible and and present this other side of the picture. Your voice is not the voice that we see most of the time uh, in the media. When I turn on the set and uh, see a lot of Muslims, but um, uh, usually they're, you know, it's, it's the faces of the people that they're looking for in London right now. Yeah. So... Well, thank you very much. All right. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, I will give out the website address again at the end of the show so that people can check out the CARE website. Uh, Again, that was Ibrahim Hooper, and he is a spokesperson for CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations. So stay tuned. We'll be talking more about um, the American-Islamic reaction to terrorism. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. 
Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Are you feeling stuck in some part of your life? You might have some crust busting to do. Crust is anything that you think, feel, or believe that prevents you from living life full out. Step into the crust-free zone with me, Dr. Pat Basile, and get ready to do some serious crust busting. Join us on Thursday mornings on VoiceAmerica.com at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for Crust Busting Your Way to an Awesome Life. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are, or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Cutting edge. Challenging. Stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Business, sports, religion, legal, pets, entertainment. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about the American Islamic Fatwa Against Terror and the organization CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations. And my next guest, Rabia Ahmed, is the communications coordinator for that organization. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Carol. Um, I just had a very interesting um, talk with Ibrahim Hooper. Right. And... Um, very sincere-sounding, intelligent man, and I was thinking about how um, difficult it is and confusing where um, for people in America, and I guess in other parts of the world too, but your organization is in America. I mean, I know you try to communicate all over the world, but just thinking right now um, for Americans, for, from the American viewpoint, that it's very hard to trust um, and you know, it was one thing in 9-11, after 9-11, when 
the people who were involved in that seemed to come from outside America. You know, they came from Middle Eastern countries, and, um, you know, the it seemed like it was all on the outside. Um, but over the years, especially now with the recent London bombings where the terrorists lived amongst them, um, I would imagine it's harder, it's gotten harder for you um, and especially as the communications coordinator, you would appreciate this, it's probably gotten harder in some ways to get your message across because even though people see you and your organization as uh, being an American group, so to speak, I mean, you're Muslims, but you're living in America, you're paying taxes, presumably, and but because there's an increase in fear and distrust um, towards people who are living um in this country, it must be harder for you to get people to trust some of the messages that you're saying. Indeed, it is. Um, you know, we have been in existence for over 10 years, and, uh, you know, the 9-11 attacks really set us back um, in terms of the advancement of our work. Um, the American Muslim community was doing really well in building bridges and, um, you know, communicating with other people of different faiths and um, becoming more politically empowered and, um, and just, you know, integrating better into American society. So when uh, 9-11 happened and subsequently when other um, terrorist attacks happened overseas committed by uh, people who claim to be Muslim and claim to be doing this in the name of Islam, it makes us, uh, as a civil rights and advocacy group for American Muslims, um, and, you know, puts us up in, in a difficult situation and it, and it makes our job even harder. Yes, because apparently... Um as uh, Ibrahim brought up, you know, there was the radio, and I read about this on your website, the um, radio host in D.C., for example, um, who was saying that you can't believe anything, that um, he was quoting things from the Quran or, and saying that um, you can't believe anything that a Muslim will tell you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Michael Graham, you know, he said many um, Islamatory anti-Muslim remarks, but unfortunately, um, he's not the only one. We've seen a lot of anti-Muslim rhetoric on the airwaves, specifically talk radio. Mm. Um, and, and this type of rhetoric, unless it goes unchallenged, will will continue to push the limits. Um, you know, Michael Graham he said that he would prefer a backlash against American Muslims. Um, you know, and and he said that he thought Islam is a terrorist organization. You know, basically. Uh, defaming the faith of a billion people worldwide, um, and, and so it, there seems to be like this, you know, open season against Muslims after 9/11 that anybody can say anything and anything goes. But and if you challenge it, then you're trying to curb freedom of expression, and it's you know an unfortunate mm-hmm. cycle. And you know, as an advocacy civil rights group, we don't necessarily like to start these campaigns, but um, we just feel that it is our responsibility to to um, bring forth these anti-Muslim bigoted um, views to the front, forefront so that people know and uh, can protest if they choose. Well, have you been, how easy have you been, I mean, I know that recently your organization got um, a lot of uh, exposure in regard to Friday's fatwa against terrorism, and I know you've done a lot of things in the past too, but um, in confronting directly um some of these people who are saying specific kinds of things, such as on talk radio, have you had, have you been able to um, get into debates with some of these hosts? I mean, to actually challenge them live? 
Yeah, I mean, we, we challenge them. We go on the air, um, you know, use their, uh, you know, radio show to in, as a format to challenge these bigoted and inaccurate views. Um, but, you know, it's you have to wonder if you're really um, talking to people who are actually going to listen to your mm-hmm. message. I mean, the way we see it, there's, you know, three kinds of people out there. There are people who, no matter what you say to them, no matter you know, how many times you say it to them, they just don't want to hear the message and they'll continue to recycle the same types of allegations and the same types of, you know, hateful rhetoric. Then there's people who are on the fence and, you know, really just either don't know and are interested in learning. Um, You know, these are the people that we're trying to reach out to um, because we find, you know, it's our responsibility. It's our mission to try to promote justice and, and mutual understanding and then, of course, the last person is one who is sympathetic to the, the Muslim community and our issues. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, I, I. Well, you know, one of the things that I was actually thinking about and, and mentioned to Mr. Hooper was the idea that since there are some um, passages that uh, are selected from the Quran um, to by people who are trying to say that this is what uh, the Quran tells people to do is to create. Um, Holy war against uh, against people who don't believe in Islam. Um, if are there, and he was explaining at least with some of the ones that I just had read to him that um, that don't, they don't apply now. I mean, are there? Do you, what are people? Um, what are the terrorists and wannabe terrorists using then um, as their specific directives to? create to become bombers or to create um, violence? Well, I mean, I, you know, they're they're using the um, legitimate concerns that people have about their current situation. You know, they, they might look at something that's very close to many Muslims' hearts, and that might be like, for instance, you know, the Palestinian issue, Palestinian-Israeli issue. And then they will twist that and frame it in such a way to make it seem that, um, you know, uh, that this is a, a an affront to Islam and to the Muslim community, and that um, you know the, it's, it's they, they frame it as a East versus a West type of um, dialogue, and that's something that we um, have to be very careful to to try to avoid because that type of rhetoric and that type of frame of uh, dialogue is very very dangerous, um, and you see many people. You know, using that same type of perspective in, in the rhetoric that we hear, you know, by politicians today, by religious leaders, on, on talk show hosts. Um, and so, I mean, they'll take things up from the Quran, they'll take these verses, um, they'll, they'll try to uh, make it seem as if it applies um, in this particular context or at this particular time. But they're not religious scholars. They're, they're angry people. They're criminals um, who are trying to promote their political agenda and will try to take uh, legitimate issues and legitimate text like the Quran, and twist it to try to promote their own uh, their own views and hate. Mm-hmm. And are there people um, in Muslim countries who, or I mean, I'm sure they are, but is there are there enough people um, in Muslim countries who Muslims who are um, trying to make some of the same points uh, there as you are here? Well, um, you know, I know there's a lot of good work being done in the Muslim, in the Muslim world. Unfortunately, that doesn't make, um, you know, our evening news as much as these um, terrorist attacks do. But, there, you know, there are a lot of movements occurring in the Muslim community. 
things that were happening even before 9-11 where um, Muslims are trying to mobilize um, and um, bring justice and democracy and, you know, um, in, in with, in, into their societies and try to rid themselves from the corruption that they often face um, in their daily lives. Um, as for a similar organization like Care Overseas, I don't know of any. I know that there is um, one in, in England called the Muslim Council of Britain um, who they kind of mirror our organization in the sense that they do the same type of work. But, um, I mean, pretty much I think that it, it's going to take some more time um, and a lot of more um, coalitions and, and resources uh, before we see an, like a care-like organization in the Muslim world. Yes, because it would seem like the mosques in the Muslim world, I mean, in the Middle East, would, um, well, it's not, I understand that it's not just the Middle East, but the, in, in those uh, countries where, I guess, the terrorists seem to be coming from, um, if these clarifications as to what these, what the Quran meant and means um, could be made there, it would seem like um, that would be helpful, although I understand what you're saying, that it, it, to some people, would be terrorists. They're not, they don't really care. They just want to use this to back up whatever else it is that they're really angry about. Right. And, I mean, we need to understand that the hierarchy of the Muslim community is, I mean, there is no official hierarchy in the Muslim community today, um, unlike the Catholic Church where there's a pope and, you know, there's priests and there's different, uh, you know, different steps to different orders, um, there isn't such a thing in the Muslim community, in the Muslim world. You have, you know, you have your scholars, you have your imams. Um, there isn't one person who speaks on behalf of the Muslim community. So that's why it makes it harder um, to get that message across uh, because you have, you know, so many different people uh, speaking on the issues and there's not just one known acceptable, acceptable uh, respected face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, the, have you been, or people from your organization, been in touch with the Muslim Council of Britain since uh, 7-7? Yeah, yeah, definitely. In fact, we were uh, inspired uh, in large part by their, um, their fatwa that they issued shortly after um, the bombings in London. Um, and after that, Canada, uh, Canadian Muslims were followed suit, and they issued a fatwa, um, and we felt that we could do the same here. Um, there's been dialogue um, between different organizations in Britain to basically let them know about how American Muslims, um, you know, what they did uh, to protect themselves from backlash after 9-11 mm. and, and just our uh, experiences and lessons learned from our, you know, our time here after 9-11, um, making, encouraging them to make it clear uh, that the public knows where Islam stands on terrorism because there seems to be a lot of misunderstanding just in the general public about what Islam says on, on, on this type of violence. So you were helping them to um, to cope with the backlash that would happen, did happen after 7-7 just like because mm -hmm. of yeah, the experience we, after 9-11. Exactly. I mean, just not the backlash, but also how to get your message across more effectively. Right. Um, and uh, things that they could do to try to root out whatever extremists or terrorists are, you know, within their circles, and how to um, spot signs of trouble and, and, you know, how to build, um, you know, better uh, relationships with their local law enforcement officials and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, but did they, uh, 
We're going to have to take a break now, but um, when we come back, I'd be interested in knowing whether they uh, were as shocked as everybody else uh, in London or whether they felt that something was brewing. We'll talk about that and more when we come back from break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Rabia Ahmed, the communications coordinator of CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations. So stay tuned. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. You want the truth? Face the facts. This is VoiceAmerica.com. Depend on it. Hello, this is Rory Goray, president of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking about uh, the American Islamic Fatwa Against Terror and CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, and my guest, Rabia Ahmed, is the communications coordinator for that organization. Before the break, we were talking about um, the Muslim Council of Britain, and I was asking you, Rabia, whether uh, they mentioned to you that they had had any any sense at all that something like that might happen. 
You know, I, it's hard to say. I don't know if anybody ever thinks that, you know, such a thing will happen to them. Um, you know, I'm sure, uh, you know, the government and, and law enforcement officials thought that they were doing everything possible to secure their country. Um, you really just cannot uh, protect yourself 100% from these types of, you know, criminals who have the determination and, and you know, the wicked, twisted mind to, to kill innocent civilians. Um but the reaction afterward, I thought, was quite interesting. Um, just my interaction with, you know, the Muslims in, in Britain and with, uh, you know, BBC and other media professionals um, was that they were actually very calm, um, didn't sensationalize, didn't associate the, the attacks with the religion itself. In fact, um, condemned those who did and and uh, spoke out against any type of possible backlash, uh, which was quite, you know, a, a different experience uh, than we they had faced mm. as American Muslims after 9-11. Mm. Yes, that's interesting. And I think it probably has to do with both the British personality and the uh, British media, where although there are some certainly tabloids in London for the most part, I think um, they are not trying to get ratings as much as, I mean, of course, they you know, there is some of that, but not the kind of uh, ratings battle or, or um magazine or a newspaper battle that there is in the United States. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what about, you know, getting back to the motivation for the terrorists? Um, we were talking before about how uh, they use some of these, they'll pick out things from the Quran or they will relate it in general to the religion as, as backing them. What about the fact that um, there is some of this that is, brought about by jealousy of the Western um, way of life. I mean, I've always thought that, um, I've always been amazed at how television sets permeate the world. I mean, I was in Thailand, and I saw in these poor, poor huts, uh, somehow they didn't have money for food, but they had a television set. And um, it just struck me that so many of the things that would get projected onto these um, television shows, I mean, shows from the United States or about the United States where there would be this uh, incredible socioeconomic kind of jealousy. Um, how much do you think that that plays into it? You know, I I'm, well, I don't know if I would necessarily term it as jealousy. I mean, I think that, um, you know, Muslims, the majority of Muslims, um, you know, admire the, the many aspects of American culture, um, and that's why, like you had mentioned, they, you know, they have the TVs, they watch the American programs, you know, they wear the Western clothes, they right. eat the Western foods, and they watch the Western movies. So um, I think that, um, you know, that most Muslims can differentiate between the culture and, you know, the ideals that they respect from uh, American culture, but they have issues with um, the government and the foreign policies. The, the problem here is is that the extremists who are committing these acts of terror, they can't differentiate between um, the average American citizen and what he or she may stand for as, you know, versus what you know, the American government and what it may stand for um, in terms of foreign policy. And that's why they don't target um, government. They don't necessarily target government um, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, offices or buildings or people, they they will attack innocent civilians, and and that's mm. and that's very trouble, troubling and problematic, obviously, um, because any, anybody is a target, even Muslims. I mean, 
Muslims mm-hmm. um, are Americans, and Muslims were killed on 9-11, and, you know, Muslims were killed in, in many of these uh, terrorist attacks that they have overseas as well. So they're very non-discriminatory and... Um, well, but that that was actually going to be my next question, um, that maybe, you know, they see Muslims who are living in these other countries, or particularly America, let's say, mm-hmm. as um, having the advantages um, or the material advantages that I know are frowned upon um, on the one hand, but that could certainly well be out of jealousy too, but frowned upon um, that, you know, of course you can sit there and say um, all these things because you're having this good life. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure. I don't think that, you know, God forbid if I were ever to, you know, face one of these uh, terrorists that they would think twice about, you know, killing me or any of my colleagues or any other American Muslim. And that's, and that's the point that we need to drive is that we cannot define this current situation as a Muslim versus a non-Muslim thing because that's not how they work. They would kill about any person regardless of their faith and culture uh, because they're criminals and they're indiscriminatory about their targets. Mm-hmm. And what are what do you, so and you think that the main motivation are the um, politics well, I mean, I think that's, you know, one that they themselves state in their own statements and their videos and um, in their recruiting videos that you see. Um, they con- constantly focus on, for instance, the presence of, of U.S. troops in Saudi Arabia, um, the U.S. Um, one-sided policy toward, you know, Israel and the Palestinian-Israeli issue. Um, they'll focus on... Uh, Abu Ghraib and Guantanamo Bay. So they bring up all of these issues where it seems as if um, they're trying, you know, it's, it's U.S. policy when, when dealing with the Muslim world. Um, and, and that's what causes, you know, many of these uh, people who are, uh, who fall into their trap to, to uh, commit to, to their criminal behaviors because they see them as fighting for a just, you know, legitimate cause. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and also, how much is the, of this uh, materialism and the sins of, of Americans or the Western world brought up comparatively to that? I, I think that that is also, um, a, you know, a, you know, a selling factor for them to try to demonize the West and and play on the stereotypes that many many people in the world have toward the U.S. Um, but I think that that has less of an effect um, than the actual. Uh, abuses that they see and the actual injustices they see taking place in the Muslim world by, you know, people of different faiths. Mm-hmm. Well, um, why don't you tell us how, uh, give out the website of your organization and um, tell us briefly how people could get involved if they're interested. Sure. Um, the website is www.carecair.com. Um, you know, our website showcases all the different campaigns that we have and all the different projects we have. Um, you can sign up to our daily e- uh, email digest that we send out so, you know, people can be informed of the issues um, that we are talking about and the campaigns that we have. Um, you can also donate online to our organization. Um, and, uh, you know, we have action alerts where we, you know, where we need people to sign in to t- uh, write to their local you know, representatives or to um, talk show hosts like Michael Graham, asking them to be more responsible in their rhetoric. So our strength is definitely in our numbers, and uh, we definitely encourage membership. 
And how many members do you have in the United States? We ha- we are the largest uh, Islamic civil rights organization, and our um, numbers you know, are in the tens of thousands in the U.S. Wow. You know, did you happen to see the movie uh, War of the Worlds? I did not, no. Um, because I, I talked about on one show um, when it first came out, talked about the uh, the symbolism between that and... 9/11, and one of the things that that really promotes is this idea of sleeper cells. I mean, they don't put it in that. Um, it's really the, sort of these monsters that come out that have been sleeping in the ground is the point for millions of years. And of course, it's a metaphor for the sleeper cells, which I'm sure has not been very helpful in terms of, you know, people thinking that all Muslims are in sleeper cells. Right. Well, I mean. Um... One of the things that we worked on earlier this year was um, we met with Fox officials in Los Angeles on the issue of 24. Because um, as, as you may remember, um, the theme for this uh, this season was an American Muslim family who was a sleeper terrorist cell, and mm. there was no metaphor there. It was clear. Mm. Um, and so we met with them and uh, talked to them about what our concerns are. Um, and they were, you know, they were very accommodating. We were able to come up with uh, different ways to try to balance mm. the trail of Muslims in that well, that's, that's very good to hear. Well, our time is up, unfortunately. Very interesting. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. That was Rabia Ahmed. She is the communications coordinator for CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations. Go to their website, care.com, C-A-I-R.com. Um and uh, look into uh, the articles and see more about what it was that we were talking about. So thank you very much for listening. This has been Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Tune in next week every Tuesday from 1 to 2 on voiceamerica.com. joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.